Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Mini Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, from the Abraham Lincoln Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center, Jack Armstrong back, Jack. and Joe Getty. Joey, baby. Things are getting weird, and they're getting weird fast. I'm strong and Getty. But I know this. They're loco. And everyone knows it. But the dramatics could come down just a little bit. And now, he is Armstrong and Getty. We've talked to Mark Meckler. Uh, it's been years, but four years and years. Mark was a uh, a mover and shaker in the original Tea Party movement, which was entirely about limited federal government, uh, reigning in spending, not spending our kids and grandkids into oblivion, and we were enthusiastic supporters at the time. Uh, Mark Meckler is now uh, part of an organization, which I believe, if I got the right one, is called Convention of States Action. Uh, he's the president of uh, said organization. Mark, how are you, sir? Man, it's so good to be with you guys. I'm way better now that I'm talking to both of you. Oh, Excellent. wow. Awesome. Long time kind since we've talked. Yeah, kind of say. Absolutely. So, anyway. You know really, I guess go ahead. what's really cool is it, it brings me back. I mean, you guys were there at the original Tea Party rallies at the Capitol, helped host some of those. And so, to me, that's that's my political origin story were those rallies. So, when I heard that I was going to be on the show with you guys today, really brought me back, made me feel great. And I just wanted to appreciate you guys because really you helped me launch my career in politics. So I'm not whether, sure whether I should thank you or curse you for that, but it is what it is. <laughs> right. Yeah, I heard that. So, uh, Mark, first of all, again, we've we've supported you throughout the years. Uh, you are an actual patriot. There are people who pretend Washington, D.C. is jammed from left to right and top to bottom with people pretending to be patriots. But I think you actually are. And now you're involved in this idea of having a convention of states. Let's start at the beginning. What What is a convention of states? Why? So a convention of states is found in Article 5 of the U.S. Constitution. There are two ways to amend the Constitution. One is Congress proposes an amendment and it goes out to the states for ratification, takes three quarters of the states to ratify. The other way is when two-thirds of the states decide to gather, they can propose amendments, just like Congress. That becomes a suggestion that goes out to the states for ratification. And the reason to do it this way, and we've never done it this way, is because 
Congress will never limit its own power. You said, you know, we started the Tea Party movement to limit the power and the scope and the spending of the federal government. It didn't work. They haven't limited any of that. Now, since I've known you guys, the deficit, uh, sorry, the debt's <laughs> gone up something like $20 trillion. Unbelievable. And so the only way they're going to do it, the only way we can impose, for example, term limits or a balanced budget amendment is to impose it from the states, and that's what a convention of states is all about. You know, and I want to point out, it's it, the Constitution doesn't say if the moon slams into the sun or if the 90% of the population dies, you can do this. No, it's right there with the amending the Constitution methods that we're familiar with. So it's right there waiting to be done. It, not only that, the founders actually told us why they put it there. We know the day, we know the, the exact date they put it in, September 15, 1787. Colonel Mason from Virginia stands up. It's two days before the end of convention, and he says, look, we got a problem. We gave the power to Congress to propose amendments, but we didn't give it to the people acting through the states. And if we don't do that, are we so dumb that we believe that when Congress becomes tyrannical that they'll restrain their own power? And what we know is, you know, we have Madison's notes, and they say that there was no debate. There was not even any discussion. They all realized that the states were going to need to exercise this power. I'm not just trying to be a uh, wet blanket, but, you know, one thing that Madison did not foresee was TikTok or anything else <laughs> that keeps people from paying attention to what's freaking going on. <laughs> I Look, I, I think that's correct. I think we have a cultural phenomenon going on taking place because of the technology we use that is dumbing everything down yeah. and keeping people from being engaged citizens. And one of the other things that I think is so important about this project is this is the largest constitutional education project in American history. Awesome. So we're, we're here to counter TikTok. Right. Well, good, yeah, good. that's and great. We're, we're happy to be part of this, and I, I hope we'll continue to be in touch. But So let's get back to the basics. What would a convention of states look like? And then you've mentioned that suggestions to amend the Constitution would come out of it, but how, would, how does it work? So the process goes like this. It takes two-thirds of states or 34 states to call a convention. The way they do it is by passing resolutions in their legislature. Important to know that's different than legislation. No governor's signature is necessary, so a simple majority of both houses. So far, 19 states have done that. 34 states are required. Once we reach the 34 states, then a convention will be called. Each state will empower a slate of what they call commissioners or delegates. They'll go to convention and they'll debate three subject matter areas. Anything that would impose fiscal restraints on the federal government, so like a balanced budget or spending caps or tax caps, anything that would impose term limits, and not just on Congress, by the way, on the deep state as well, federal officials, so that could be bureaucrats and staffers. And then my favorite and most important, anything that would impose scope and power limitations on the federal government. So saying, for example, you can't be involved in education or energy or health care, all these things they were never intended to be involved in. If you get 26 states to agree on any amendments, those amendments become suggestions and they get sent out to the states for ratification. And then it takes 38 states or a super, super majority to ratify anything that comes out of convention. I love, I would just love if something like this happened and the whole nation is watching it and following the arguments, if that happened. I, people are always predicting what the founding fathers think and would do. I really think that the majority of founding fathers would think we're long overdue for this sort of look at the structure, you know, with the changing everything 
technology, the structure of society, size of the country, everything like that. Take a take a new fresh look at all this different stuff. It seems fantastic. And it strikes me, yeah, Mark, right. as you're describing the way it would work, it's it's obviously a tough sled to get anything through all those processes. But even if if it ultimately wasn't successful, there would be a widespread nationwide discussion of the issues, which right. I think would be t- terribly valuable. Yeah, I think you nailed it. I get asked that all the time. You know, can you pull this off? I, I think we can, but I do think it's an incredibly tough sled. This is a tallest hill in the American system of governance. There's nothing else that's this hard that requires this kind of a supermajority. But I always say, if we fail, then what we've done in failing is conducted the largest constitutional education project in American history. And the primary debate of Convention of States is around a very simple question. It's jurisdictional. It's about who decides. Are we going to let some nameless, faceless, idiot bureaucrats in Washington, D.C. decide for us? Are we going to decide for ourselves at home? That balance of power is what we're coming together to talk about. I mean, we're at a point where we just had that 1.7 trillion dollar omnibus bill pass a couple of weeks ago with nobody having a chance to read it congress not being you know not 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 any of the normal legislative uh, system involved so yeah i love the idea of what you're trying to do well i think we're going to make it happen i mean now there are over five million people involved like i said we're well past the halfway mark when I started this thing nine and a half years ago, everybody said it was impossible. It was a pipe dream. And I don't think that was an unreasonable thing to say. But with over 5 million people involved today, 49 states have filed the resolution. We have 19 states that have passed it so far. We're going to end up with another four to seven states passing it this session, uh, just starting this month. So we are well on our way. And along the way, we're building the largest self-governing grassroots army in American history. Wow, I love that. So I take it, uh, Mark Meckler, that you know overspending is big on your list. Clearly, the uh, the gigantic, bloated, incomprehensible administrative state. Uh, anything else that are like on your big targets? Yeah, I think that the three big targets would be term limits. Eighty five percent of American people have wanted those for thirty years, and we can't get Congress to do it. But I wonder I why. Yeah. <laughs> It's not in their best interest. This is the whole reason Colonel Mason said we have to have this is because Congress will never limit their own power. So term limits, but not just for them, for the bureaucrats, so we don't end up with more Anthony Fauci's. Uh, Number two would be spending limits, right? They're never going to stop the spending. They're never going to stop blowing us out, printing money, borrowing and putting us in debt. And so we're going to have to do that to them. And then last but not least to me is going back to something resembling enumerated powers. When the Constitution was written, there were 17 enumerated powers put in there. And and the founder said, these and no more are all the federal government can do. Today, I don't know what the actual number is, but let's call it 17 million powers they now have. And we need to stuff them back in the constitutional box. And that literally gives us the power to say, no education, no energy, no EPA, all of these things, as you guys know, you got you have plenty of them in our state capitals, too many. And so we don't need them at the federal level, and we got to take that stuff away from the federal government. Well, and just uh, to approach this kind of academically, even if y'all listening heard a couple of those and thought, no, 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 I disagree with that. The point is, as, as Mark said, it's a jurisdictional question. It's who decides 
And the idea that the people in the states decide is a return to what this country is supposed to be, as opposed to just the the perpetual reign of bureaucrats and forever Congress people. You know, someday, Mark, I'd love to talk to you when we have more time about uh, term limits and whether they work or not, because there are differing views uh, on that question. But uh, again, sometimes the discussion is the point, isn't it? Uh, that is the point. And by the way, I'm not a huge fan of term limits. I mean, I, I think we have results from them all over the nation at the state level. I think at best they're neutral. I think they have some really bad side effects. They empower the bureaucracy, mm. the lobbyists, and the staffers. And so the only way I'd be personally interested in term limits is if we also get term limits on all those other groups of people, then maybe it's kind of where I'm at on term limits. The reason term limits are in there is not because they're my pet project. It's because the vast majority of American people want them, and I think we owe the American people a meaningful discussion about term limits. Boy, and uh, on a similar topic, nobody's asked me, but if they did, I'd tell them I would love to see serious reform of collective bargaining uh, of government employees. Because when the government itself becomes the most powerful lobbyist of the government, you have sown the seeds of disaster. Mark Meckler is. And you know my, you know my yeah, issue ahead. that you got to slide in there, getting rid of Columbus Day. So, oh boy, <laughs> um, Convention of States action. We will have a link to the website so you can uh, get information, you can contribute, or just follow what they're doing, or better understand it at ArmstrongandGetty.com. Let's not let this be our last conversation. All right. Absolutely great to talk to you guys again. Thanks for having me. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic Gymnastics, Cain Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you ask two people the same exact set of seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including actress and star of the mega-hit sitcom Friends, Courtney Cox. You can't go around it, so you just go through it. This is a roadblock. It's going to catch you down the road. Go through it. Deal with it. Comedian, writer, and star of the series Catastrophe, Rob Delaney. I shouldn't feel guilty about my son's death. He died of a brain tumor. 
It's part of what happens when your kid dies. Intellectually, you'll understand that it's not your fault, but you'll still feel guilty. Alt-rock icon, Liz Fair. That personal disaster wrote Guyville. So everything comes out of a dead end. And many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. You might not know this, but after we finish our radio show every day, the Armstrong and Getty Show, we keep on going. We do a podcast that you never hear on the air. It might be more in-depth analysis of the day's events, uh, our allegedly keen observations of the world around us, or even more of the ridiculous and absurd stories that you crave every weekday. Yeah, we call it Armstrong and Getty. One more thing. It's a podcast that you should subscribe to right now. You can find it on the iHeart app or wherever you download podcasts. Okay, here's, here's my New York Post headline of the day. Like, who clicks on oh. this? I always love this. Well, this is a different kind. This is like celebrity version, but I just, who clicks on this? Olivia Dunn. Is that the... Super cute gymnast from LSU. That's the gymnast girl. Okay, this headline. Olivia Dunn models black bikini during scenic getaway. Italy has my heart, is the quote. All right. Oh, my God. So you write a couple paragraphs about how she's in Italy and likes Italy to (laughs) couch your bikini pics of her. And make it seem like it's journalism or something? And then you, you, they get to do that. They're a for-profit business. But you, the numbskull, clicks on it? I pity you. I pity you. Olivia Dunn. (laughs) If you, yeah, well, that's better. If you want to see Olivia Dunn in a bikini, or any hot chick in a bikini, they're available all over the place. Don't click on news stories. (laughs) <laughs> that are no, weak it's, it's, attempts to get that picture to you. It's guys who, for whatever reason, are unwilling to go where the, the, the cheesecake to filth is housed, but they can get away with going to the New York Post. God, that's sad. Well, and the New York Post is so interesting sociologically. They do such fabulous reporting bravely on things the mainstream media ignores. But they run horror porn all the time, and cheesecake and, and the rest of the more, you know, kind of low-browish appeals. Yeah, I would say. And that's why it's a little hard to get, I think, a hot part of the country to take them seriously. On the other hand, Jack, as you know, when my father was serving the United States of America in the military, I was born in Italy. So I'd kind of like to take a look at this article. <laughs> Turns out she she loves Italy. I wonder why. Italy has my heart in her right. black bikini. Whatever. Yeah. Good Lord. Have some respect for yourself. I'm trying to find the article. <laughs> ah, they buried it. I don't feel like I can switch gears to what I was going to switch to. I've ruined everything. Transition um, music. We got uh, We got this text. Talk about people who stop way behind the car in front at a light. <laughs> How long are we, are we supposed to talk about it? I don't like it either. I, I disagree with it. It often it backs up traffic, which blocks a turn lane. So it's very rude and selfish. You're right. And according to the law, uh, you can tap their bumper up to three times to urge them to pull forward. So start doing that today. Speaking of weak acts, we were talking about Anthony Blinken and his, his, uh, his weak act. And uh, people who click on those stories, it's a weak act. Uh, the whole 
I'm an extra safe driver thing that I've made the argument over the years. You're actually the most dangerous person on the road. You think you're being safe by getting on the interstate at 45 miles per hour. You're mm-hmm. by far the most dangerous person out there. Most likely, you're more way more likely to end up killed in a car wreck than people who get on at speed. How, right. how do you not know that? But I, I imagine that's the same person that no matter what happens at a four-way stop, you're going to wait till everyone else goes because you just don't want to be rash or accused of going in the wrong order or what. You're just no matter what, you're not going. To paraphrase Steinfeld, uh, Seinfeld, I would I would like to see those people studied at the university level. You're right because that is that same person. I want to know what's going on in their heads. Is it just fearfulness, or it's got to be? It's got to suck to live your life that way. Is it, and and does it? Yeah, does it transfer into every other area of your life? Do you eat like all your food just kind of tepid temperature because you want to get it too hot? I mean, are there other things that you do? I just yeah, I wonder. You know, I've got this weird, weird pet peeve. And that's uh, golf courses, <clears throat> generally speaking, or golf communities. You have the street where the cars go down. Then you got a cart path where the golf carts cross it. And always, 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 the golf carts have stop signs. You got to stop and check traffic before you roll across the street. And 99% of the time, the cross traffic does not have a stop sign. The golf carts are supposed to yield to traffic. But like 85% of the time, the cars stop if they see a golf cart there. Right. So I'm looking at them. They're looking at me. Are you going to go? Am I going to go? I get, follow the signs and everybody knows what's going to happen. Try not to plow into some geek who's enjoying a round on Father's Day, but right. just look at the signs. Follow the signs and pull up the car in front of you at a stoplight. People think, you know what, some major publication, Reader's Digest or the NAACP or, or the NCAA or somebody published a number of years ago, you should stay back a car length or two in case you get rear-ended. That way you won't hit the car in front of you. you so know, I think that's what people are thinking. You know, I think the greatest feature on the Tesla that they should put on every car is that it goes bong when the light turns green. So I can stare at my phone. It does? So I can stare at my phone, and when the light turned green, it goes bong, and then I can look up and drive. And that, no, I I'm not going to get caught. That, 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 that might be the best feature of all the things, you know, yeah, talk about pollution or electric, whatever, self-driving. How did I not know that? It should be in commercials and stuff. <laughs> that might be its best-selling part, best-selling point. I saw a quip on Twitter a number of years ago. Somebody uh, said, let's all admit this is necessary. Push notifications to our phone when the, when the light turns green. We get a notice. Hey, light just turned green. Yeah, that's the, yeah. So all cars should do that in the future. I guess you'd have to have all the sensors that can tell if the light turned green or whatever. Bong. Okay, look up from my phone and drive now. I will. You teenagers with your face buried in your phone. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast 
NBA DNA with Hannah Storm digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you ask two people the same exact set of seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including actress and star of the mega-hit sitcom Friends, Courtney Cox. You can't go around it, so you just go through it. This is a roadblock. It's going to catch you down the road. Go through it. Deal with it. Comedian, writer, and star of the series Catastrophe, Rob Delaney. I shouldn't feel guilty about my son's death. He died of a brain tumor. It's part of what happens when your kid dies. Intellectually, you'll understand that it's not your fault, but you'll still feel guilty. Alt-rock icon, Liz Fair. That personal disaster wrote Guyville. So everything comes out of a dead end. And many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. Now, broadcasting live from the Abraham Lincoln Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center, Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. Armstrong and Getty. Celebrating 25 years of radio excellence. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Latest trend in the TikTok. That would be your popular communist Chinese app that's in the pocket of all of our children. One of the new trends is TikTok stars who who film them. What's that? What's the term? I what saw do you use tape film. You can another another none of those are accurate. Stream, I guess they stream themselves twenty four seven. Their apartments have have phones or cameras or whatever rigged up in every room, including the bedroom, multiple angles, in the bathroom, over the toilet, so you can see you sitting there, in the kitchen, in the living room, and when they leave their place, they take it with them, they stream 24-7, and according to this article in Wired.com, which is pretty good at this sort of stuff, uh, often they can make from five to $50,000 a week as people tune in watching out of curiosity. Uh, five thousand dollars a week, twenty thousand dollars. That's a pretty pretty good money. Um, so my question, number one question, was going to be: Is anybody watching that? It appears somebody is. So is that basically? I'm just living somebody else's life that I find more appealing than mine. Is that what that You're is? You're just spying on them, waiting to see if something interesting or sexy will happen. Watch me. Is it sexy? Is that what you're hoping for? Conceivably, yeah. 
She's oh, and they mentioned that this one couple, couple Jetty Jamez and Autumn Rain, they both have jazzy TikTok handles, of course, have been live on TikTok for more than three weeks. In these, in that time spanning more than five hundred hours, nothing much of note seems to have happened in the young couple's apartment, but the number of people watching has skyrocketed. And yes, they absolutely do uh, exploit the fact that she is very pretty. It's. Truman Show meets Big Brother meets Brave New World. You know where you can find a pretty girl online? (laughs) Good God. Yeah, but it doesn't have that weird I'm watching a real person in real time thing. I'm not defending it. I'm just trying to understand it. Sounds like you are. (laughs) Sounds like you're defending it. It sounds like you're defending it like you defended your $50,000 curtains. What? (laughs) it's an endless parade of the entertaining mundane and strange one that allows the viewer to become part of the show for a fleeting moment by leaving a comment or a gift like they're checking in or dropping a command to a sim character and yes they'll make a comment or whatever and often the people who are the bizarre please get a life subject of these shows these these streams rather will respond to the comments or make a video in response to that comment that they they then put up and people get off on the fact that their comments spawned a video response i guess parasocial relationships with influencers and celebrities uh say researchers parasocial relationships para meaning in this case what uh, Tara essentially, <laughs> Charles, the late Charles Krauthammer there. Um, you know, let me I tell you what, let's get this right. Um, define para. Uh, stop that. I don't want to sign in at all. Google, I hate you. I hate you. <laughs> um, uh, defense protection against. To ward off. That's interesting. No, um, what? Like, no, alongside of, beside. So it's it's almost social. It's next to a social relationship. Okay. I was I was going to say para means essentially uh, partial, somewhat. Well, we we may have reached the end of the road of how far you can go with the whole. Uh, online influencer thing where it's just a camera on you, you living your regular life, including all the mundane parts of it. And there are some people, there are enough people that are going to watch it that you can sell advertising, I guess, and make money off of it. Um, There's a university I saw. It's the first university in the world to offer a degree in influencing, which oftentimes those kind of things are mocked. But I would say based on the fact that there are quite a few people out there making money off of it, kind of makes sense to try to figure out what the uh, what's the appeal or how you go about doing it? Well, yeah, the uh, there are tricks you know, the, to the trade. I've heard people talking. About. I've heard. Uh, oh yeah, um, uh, uh, Mr. Beast talking about. You know, here's some of the keys to being an influencer. Yeah, and and you know, in his case and some others, it's just a very clever entertainment product, and they deserve the success they've gotten. But something like this has a very toxic feel to me. Uh, this researcher I quoted, uh, Zimmer, he's a University of Toronto guy. Um, he says, the intimacy of constant live content, content paired with the ability to give, 
gifts and comments and the rest could intensify them, this fake relationship becomes even more potent. I feel in- like we're often commenting on something none of us understand because we're not the kind of people that would do this. And I mean on the receiving end. We yeah. all we mm-hmm. all have jobs and lives and some relationships, and we don't even a lot of us don't even know the millions and millions of people there are around the world that have no friends and really no no life of any kind, and they're right. just alone in a house or an apartment, and that's the crowd for this, I guess. More of the very strange appeal of this in a moment after a quick word from our friends and sponsors at MyPillow. They're having a closeout sale on their percale sheets. Uh, you've heard us talk about the My Slippers, the Giza sheets, the MyPillow 2.0 and more. Their latest big time sale is on the popular percale sheets. Maybe buy these and send these to the people you're watching live their lives in their home 24-7. Yeah, you'll see them laying there on the sheets you provided, and it'll make you feel special. I just made myself sad. And it wouldn't wow. even cost that much to send this gift to them. The queen-size sheets <laughs> regularly retail for eighty nine ninety eight, but they're $35 with the promo code. What is the promo code? Getty, G-E-T-T-Y. Well, that's not what it says on my piece of paper. So um, You got the wrong damn piece of paper. Michael, get him the right piece of paper. This is the worst commercial ever. So you can decent social commentary, but a terrible so you commercial. Can send, yes? So you can send these sheets to the couple that you're watching twenty four seven, including their duties, and uh, and then they'll, they'll do something for you. I guess. Oh, she's on the toilet. Maybe she's going to bed soon. We'll see her on the sheets. Anyway, these percale sheets are breathable and have a cool, crisp feel. They have deep pockets to fit over any mattress. They're extremely durable, machine washable, easy to care for, really good sheets, and you'll save big. Go to MyPillow.com, click on the radio listener's special square to get the MyPillow percale sheets for as low as 25 bucks for twins, 35 for queen. Enter the promo code Getty. That's at MyPillow.com. I mean, I don't want to make this the saddest thing ever, but isn't that the missing element a lot of times with these stories is none of us, most of us don't know somebody like the, I have a job where nobody ever talks to me and I don't talk to anybody and I go home alone to my apartment and I have no friends and I have no romance and I have no sex. Right. And this is what I do. I go online and do this stuff. We this don't is know the saddest like segment ever. Um, but just uh, one more couple of, well, a couple of more thoughts. Uh, in Jetty Jamez and Autumn Rain's live stream, they play on their dynamic as a couple, as well as the audience's sexualization of Autumn. They pick out comments and make individual videos replaying to them or read them on the live stream. There's community building in that endless flow of comments, too. People search the various camera angles to find the couple or their cats, chat about things they've seen during the live stream, or say where they're viewing from. Hey, where's Tibby the cat? Oh, he's in the bedroom, I think, behind the hamper. Oh, yeah. I can see him now. We're friends. How about you have oh, your this own? This is sad. How about you have your own cat with your own bedroom, <laughs> and bring a friend home and look at it behind the 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 the, can, the hamper. Oh, Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. You might not know this, but after we finish our radio show every day, the Armstrong and Getty Show, we keep on going. We do a podcast that you never hear on the air. It might be more in depth analysis of the day's events, uh, our allegedly keen observations of the world around us, or even more of the ridiculous and absurd stories that you crave every weekday. Yeah, we call it Armstrong and Getty. One more thing, it's a podcast that you should subscribe to right now. You can find it on the iHeart app or wherever you download podcasts. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show.
Yeah, you know, I meant to when we were talking about the, the crime in Washington, D.C. and the people on the street saying, well, I don't like stealing, but these people must need those things. I mean, just these naive, brainwashed, you know, college, uh, miseducated dopes. I forgot I was going to throw in this story. It's um, from this uh, Washington, D.C. artist. Annie Yelsey Velasco Sanchez, who has at least two names too many, a radical left-wing Indo-Latinx artist whose work focuses on justice and liberation. She was living the dream, her first solo exhibition, till a thief ran into the art gallery and stole two of her works of art. I'm not sure I followed all of those descriptions you had there. A radical left-wing Indo-Latinx artist okay. whose work focuses on justice and liberation. Pay attention. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, she says, and I quote, I feel violated. I'm I'm grieving the lost art, but mostly I'm feeling shocked at the boldness and thoughtlessness of entering a community space and stealing art that is all about justice and liberation. Hmm. One of the paintings stolen was entitled Bountiful, the land of thoughts and prayers that dealt with gun violence and state sanctioned sanctioned violence in the United States, etc., Uh, But though heartbroken, she says uh, she will not call the cops because she is a self-described police abolitionist who does not engage with law enforcement. Quote, I'm not willing to call them. For me, the harm that comes out of engaging with police is much more violent than anything that has occurred. She went on to speculate that the thief might have been an avid art lover. (laughs) Okay, well, you're talking about a crazy person then or a deluded artist. Artists should be in charge of nothing other than art. She even declined offers from friends to contact the police on her behalf. I totally agree with what you just said. Quote, there is a strong misconception in our country and in D.C. that police keep us safe, solve crimes and recover stolen property. All the cops listening. That's a misconception. (laughs) None of those are true. I have more faith in my community rallying than I do in law enforcement doing anything. Uh, By the way, the paintings have yet to be recovered by the community rallying. I realize artists, their brains work differently, which is what allows you to do art, I guess. But, God, what in your life experiences led you to believe that, no, 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 you can craft a, a, a community where everybody treats everybody nice and is looking out for the the whole and no, don't need anybody policing the rules or anything? Yeah, it'll work fine. What, what, since you were in kindergarten or any group you've ever been a member of or at any point in your life anywhere, what has ever led you to believe that? <laughs> It's it's one of the reasons I refer to people like that as unicornians sometimes, because they imagine a world. And, you know, I'm all in favor of, you know, I, I uh, imagine the world as it could be and ask why not, you know, to paraphrase the famous uh, famous saying. Um, it's well and good to imagine a better world. But if you don't recognize the world you're in, you're delusional and rarely is delusional a, a good plan for life. Hmm. or any aspect of life for that matter what do you suppose what is what is the connection in the brain between this delusional view of humanity and the ability to paint or or play the piano or whatever in the way that the rest of us can't so i don't know that's a great great question the rest of us and not all artists and musicians have that wacky view but most um i wonder what the connection is in the brain the fact that I don't believe you need police opens up this part of my brain so that I can paint in a way that other people can't. It's what, how wild. It, it, it probably has something to do with being super right brainy. And, uh, and the left uh, hemisphere is just a little uh, not so good or something. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I, I have a feeling it's, it's quite neurological. It, it has to be. 
I don't think they can help it. Yeah. Interesting. And it's fine. I, I run into dreamy artists like this a fair amount. I love art. I love music, all sorts of artsy stuff. And I'll meet them and think, okay, you're a complete unicornian, but you make beautiful art and you seem like a nice person. So I don't hate them for it, but uh, nor do I want them in charge of policy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I hope you don't get robbed or uh, run out of money, but uh, enjoying your music and your art. Uh, Elon tweeted this out yesterday. It's a toy it's a costume for halloween uh the 30 minute phone call it's called it blows up your entire day could have been a 15 minute call could have been an email the 30 minute phone call is is it's the most frightening costume for halloween he's claiming you know, one of the few positive trends in uh, American culture I've noticed lately, Wall Street Journal was reporting that I think it was Microsoft Teams that logs how long you're having a meeting and how long you say the meeting is scheduled for. Say the fastest growing category is the 15 minute meeting. So something about the pandemic drew everybody's attention. Many of us were already paying attention to the fact that a lot of meetings are a waste of time or too long. Something yes. about Zoom calls or something? Is it just... Hmm, I wonder why. Long meetings. This is I'm, I'm. This is a rough draft, so forgive me. Long meetings are the sin committed by those who l- want to look busy against those who are busy. Well, I used to say, and I mean it. I'm not even being sarcastic. I've I've hardly been to a meeting in my life that needed to happen. I've been to like two. <laughs> I mean, in workplace settings. That, How that, about meetings that you thought that was too short? <laughs> And they usually don't need to happen at all. Yeah. It's it's the easiest thing to do to think if there's some sort of problem to think a meeting will solve it, or at least it'll seem like we're doing something. But nothing. Yeah, happens. I'm not quite so cynical as meetings as you are, but they're always too long. I love Steve Jobs. Nobody sits down. This is going to be five minutes. We're going to talk about this. We're going to focus. Then we're going to leave. Love that. Yeah, and uh, no, I like I like meetings with a, a lot of people in there whose day is going to be the same whether the meeting is an hour long or 10 minutes long. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I like when they're able to ask questions. I think a question and answer period at the end is always good. That is the war against people who have to run out the clock versus people who have to produce. Now, I left out my favorite thing. My favorite thing for any kind of meeting, because I had one of these happen the other day in a non-work setting. People who show up late to the meeting and then ask a question at the end about something that was covered by for people that were here on time. And that, Your Honor, <laughs> is how I ended up strangling them. <laughs> Case dismissed. Womp. So you showed up late, and now we're all going to sit here longer so you can get caught up. Yeah. Yeah, that should be a capital offense. <laughs> you don't think I'll wait till after and approach him and say, so sorry, I was late. No, you'll make, you'll make everybody wait around while you get caught up. Yes. Yeah. Murderous rage. Yeah, if you run meetings, you need to say, we covered that earlier. Talk to me after the meeting. That's the way you handle that. Yes. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. You might not know this, but after we finish our radio show every day, the Armstrong and Getty Show, we keep on going. We do a podcast that you never hear on the air. Might be more in-depth analysis of the day's events, uh, our allegedly keen observations of the world around us, or even more of the ridiculous and absurd stories that you crave every weekday. Yeah, we call it Armstrong and Getty. One more thing. It's a podcast that you should subscribe to right now. You can find it on the iHeart app or wherever you download podcasts. Armstrong and Getty. 
Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Mini Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.